The following content is from Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, a gospel-driven high-adventure camp in western North Carolina. Go to swoutfitters.com to learn more about our camps and conferences. Enjoy the message. Good morning, everybody. Y'all doing good? Hey, turn in your Bibles, if you would, to 2 Peter 3. 2 Peter 3. Uh, y'all know we're walking through 2 Peter this weekend. My name's Spencer, if I hadn't had a chance to meet y'all yet. Uh, yeah, what's up, what's up? So 2 Peter 3, and here's what I want to look at. Here's the question I want to ask y'all this morning. Is Jesus for real coming back? How you know? Because it has been a really, really long time since he said he would. That's, man, that's one of the questions, I'll be honest, that's one of the questions that tripped me up when I was about y'all's age. Uh, when I was in high school, I was not a Christian, uh, and but I had grown up in a Christian household. I'd gone to church, and I'd actually gone to Christian school. I was not a Christian, and one of the questions that tripped me up was just like, man, Jesus said 2,000 years ago that he's coming back, and everybody in that day seemed to think like, oh, he's coming back right now. Like, if you read some of the disciples, they think it's going to happen in their lifetime. Like Paul even says, hey, man, maybe it's better you don't even get married because Jesus is going to be back like any minute. And then it's like, well, then the next generation thought that, and then the next generation thought that, and the next generation, and the next one, 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 and now we're 2,000 years later. Like, is it responsible, like, to think, is it smart to think that Jesus is coming back? That's the question I wrestled with in high school. And that's the exact question that Peter really addresses in Second Peter 3 that the day of the Lord will come, that Jesus is coming back. And what he's going to do is he's going to combat like all these false teachers who are saying, man, Jesus ain't coming back. It's been forever. It's been forever. He's not going to come back. You know, everything's happening the same way it always has. But let me just read a couple verses that will show you that these guys thought that Jesus was coming back like any minute, the the apostles. Uh, Hebrews 1. Uh, Don't worry about looking these up. We'll have them on the screen. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. So the writer here is, is thinking, man, we are living in the last days. Like, this is it. And that was 2,000 years ago. First uh, Corinthians 10. Now, these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Like, these folks thought the end of the age has come upon our generation. Hebrews 10. Let's consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Like these folks thought they're going to see that day happen. John, First uh, John 2, children, it is the last hour. And as you've heard that the Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know it's the last hour, says John 2,000 years ago. 1 Corinthians 7, this is that verse where Paul's talking about maybe Maybe it's better not to get married because Jesus is coming back any day. He says, you bound a wife, don't try to be free. Are you free from a wife? Don't seek a wife. But if you do marry, you haven't sinned. And he skips down and he says, this is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. And he says, the present form of the world is passing away. First Peter 4, same author as we're reading today. The end of all things is at hand. So all these guys seem to have believed they were living in the last days. My question is, is that? Is that still true? Like, because it hasn't happened yet. 
So we this town's called Andrews that we're in right now. Y'all y'all aren't gonna see much of the town. You know, you might pass a gas station or two, but it's tiny. Like it's super tiny. And so I've got I got three kids. Uh, I've got a high schooler and two middle schoolers. And so my my oldest daughter is a freshman at Andrews High School. Well, she starts going to the high school here, and uh, that high school is tiny. It's like. 150 people, 200 people. I mean, it's tiny. It's super small. And so, uh, but there's, in this county, there's actually three high schools. There's this one. The next town over is called Murphy. And then there's a tiny, tiny little community called Hiawassee Dam. And they started talking about consolidating all these, these three schools into one super school. And I was like, oh, this is going to be great. They're like, yeah, it's going to happen in five years. So I'm talking to my sixth grader and my seventh grader like, man, don't even worry about what school you're going to go to. They're going to build the super school. You know, they're going to build this big consolidated high school, and we're like planning it out like, hey, don't get too attached to our mascot like the Wildcats. We're going to have something totally different. And we start like brainstorming at supper like, what's our new mascot going to be? And so there's an endangered species around here called the Hellbender. And I thought, man, that'd be a cool name for a mascot. Turns out it's like a salamander about that big. So it wasn't that cool. And like, there's also a lot of rumors about Bigfoot in this area, and they call him the Boojum. And so, like, we're sitting around our table being like, what if we're called the Cherokee County Boojum? And I was like, I don't know. That sounds weird, you know? And so we're, we're debating all this stuff. Well, then I open up the newspaper, and it's like, it's talking about the, the super school, the consolidated school. And it's like, yeah, they've been talking about this school since 1976. And I was like, oh, man. Man, this thing ain't happening. They've been debating this thing for, what, 46 years. This, this school ain't going to happen. That's how a lot of people read the Bible, I think, here. When it comes to Jesus' like the second coming, you read all this stuff, and you're like, ooh, Jesus is coming back. Oh, wait. That's what they said 2,000 years ago. Maybe he's not coming back. What I want to look at is Peter's reminders here of why Jesus is coming back. He's going to, man, Peter's going to put together, for an old fisherman, he's going to put together a really well thought out argument to, hey, Jesus is coming back and here's why. So let's jump in in 2 Peter 3, 1, all right? He says, this is now the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of these letters, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. You remember that? Brody talked about that last night. Stirring up their minds by way of reminder. He's like the chocolate milk illustration. We're dredging up all the stuff from the bottom. And Peter's telling them here what they need to remember is that Jesus is coming back. Specifically, he's saying you need to remember that there's all kind of prophecies that have already been fulfilled. And that shows you that these other prophecies are going to be fulfilled. Verse 2, he says... Stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets. Now, when we think about prophets, man, we think about something weird. It's not weird. It's not Master Ugwe. You know, you remember that from, uh, what's that movie? Yes, thank you. Kung Fu Panda. That's one of my favorite kid movies where you got Master Ugwe, the ancient turtle or whatever, that's like, and that's why it's called the present. You know, and you're like, man, that guy's so smart. Uh, but it's not, prophecy's not weird. It's not like some floating mystic or whatever. It's just a guy that God told a message. And so Peter's saying, hey, remember what the prophet said. Those things you've already seen true. Because remember, these guys are living in a day where they've seen prophecies about Jesus' first coming. Here he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. And then it happens. They're actually in an age where they're watching prophecy be fulfilled. So Peter says, remember the predictions of the holy prophets that have already come true and some that yet to come true. And he says, and remember the commandment of the Lord. Jesus said he's coming back. 
the prophet said he's coming back, and then Jesus said he's coming back. And it says, commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. The apostles' public preaching. They said Jesus is coming back. You even, in the New Testament, have an angel come down and say, Jesus is coming back. Remember, all the people, when Jesus goes up into heaven, they're all looking up, and the angel comes down and is like, what y'all looking at? He, he's going to come back the same way. Like, the prophet said it. Jesus said it. The apostles said it. Angels said it. Jesus is coming back. This is for sure. When the Bible says something, it will come true. You can bank on that. It will come true. Prophecy, it will happen. In fact, Peter talked about prophecy uh, back in chapter 1. You don't have to turn there. We'll have it. It says, we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. And Peter's meaning, like, we've seen this happen. He says, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. I love that thought. He's comparing the word, the prophecies, to a lamp that shines until the sun rises. Y'all been in a situation like this? When y'all get up for school, it is dark as heck, isn't it? Like, it's already, I, you know, I love when it's light outside when you, you know, get up to go to work. But when it's dark, it is so much harder to get out of bed. And you're like, oh, it is still the middle of the night. This shouldn't happen. And so, like, sometimes those mornings I'll get, you know, the coffee's already pre-made. I'll stumble in there and grab a cup of coffee. And I'll sit down and I'll, I'll, I'll oftentimes I'll turn on the, the lamp next to me. And I'll start reading the word. And as I'm reading the Bible, you know, the lamp's nice, it's warm, it's bright. And I got the, I got the coffee in here trying to be quiet so I don't wake up my kids. And then slowly, the room just starts getting lighter and lighter and lighter as the sun's coming up. As the sun's coming up, well, here in the mountains, like, the whole sky gets bright. And then all of a sudden, at once, the sun goes, pa, and just, like, comes over the mountain and shines through the whole valley. I mean, it's, it's pretty awesome in the mornings. And Peter's saying, it's it's like that. We have the prophetic word. Like this is our lamp. It's shining. It's warm. It's nice. But one day Jesus is going to come back. And that light is going to illuminate everything. Like it's going to be just, it, when, when that's fulfilled, like we're, the second coming is going to happen. It's going to light up everything. He goes on. He's like, remember these prophecies. Now he's going to talk about the people that are saying, man, Jesus ain't coming back. Look at this, verse 3. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers are going to come in the last days with scoffing. <laughs> what a weird word. Scoffers are going to come and they're going to scoff. Uh, following their own sinful desires. Man, all right, so I want to pause for a second. So, y'all, when you're reading this, man, you got to remember who Peter is, right? This is like, it's crazy that, that Peter's going to give us four points on why Jesus is coming back, and it's so well thought out. It's like, I mean, you'd never expect it coming from Peter. Peter. Y'all remember who Peter is, right? Peter's like this guy, when he's a disciple, who is like stumbling and bumbling around. Like, all the time, he's the guy that asks Jesus, hey, man, who's the best? Who, who's the best disciple, though? And Jesus is like, all right. All right, all right. You know, like, it just like, Peter says dumb stuff all the time, and he does dumb stuff all the time. Remember, when Jesus is arrested, Peter pulls out his sword, he's like, let's go, and cuts off that guy's ear, and Jesus is like, Peter, come on now, come on. Like, yeah, all the time, Peter's screwing up over and over and over. You remember when the transfiguration happens, and Jesus is up on top of the mountain, and all of a sudden it's like, ching, he starts shining, and Moses and Elijah appear beside him. And it's like this awesome moment. And Peter comes up and is like, oh, this is awesome. Y'all want me to build some tents? We'll camp out right here. I'll do it. I'll build some tents. And it's almost like Peter, <laughs> I mean, imagine how embarrassed you'd be if Peter, Mo I'm sorry, if Jesus, Moses, and Elijah all look at you like, 
oh, man. You know, just like it's the most embarrassing moment. Peter's like, no tents? All right, that's cool. That's cool. All right, we'll see y'all later. Who's the best, though? Is me? All right. Like, you know, it's like, come on, man. And then uh, talk about a glow up. Like, this is all of a sudden Peter is like, all right, professor. He's going to give like this super nuanced, thought-out answer to yeah, Jesus is coming back, and here's how you know you can take that to the bank, all right? So here's, here's the first thing. The first argument that Peter's going to give is this. In the last days, people are going to say it's not the last days. In the last days, scoffers are going to come with scoffing. Jesus actually predicted this in Matthew 24. It says this. As Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when are these things going to happen? What are going to be the signs of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, see that nobody leads you astray, because many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. They're asking Jesus, hey, you're coming back? How are we going to know? And Jesus says, here's how you'll know. People are going to say, I'm not coming back. False prophets are going to come, and they're going to lead many people astray. It's crazy, because Peter's taking the legs out of their argument before they can even get there. He's saying, oh, these guys... They're, they're saying Jesus is not coming back. That's one of the signs of Jesus coming back. Why? Why are they saying Jesus is not coming back? Well, why would anybody say Jesus is not coming back? You know, y'all got friends, you know, in, that have been in the youth group or they've been in your school that were, seemed to be following Jesus and now are not, you know? Like people who, who seem to have fallen away. And I'll, I'll tell you, most of the people that reject the gospel are not doing so because of intellectual arguments. For real. They're not, they're not having a problem with Jesus coming back. They're not having a problem with the Bible being reliable. They're not having a problem with the problem of evil. Some people are, but most people are rejecting the gospel because they want to live how they want to live. That's just it. And so Peter says this, scoffers are going to come in the last days, scoffing, because they want to follow their own sinful desires. You see what I'm saying? He's, they they want to live how they want to live. All right, here's the nerdiest quote of the day. Y'all ready for this? It's by a guy named Aldous Huxley. And if that's his name, you know he's a nerd. All right, so Aldous Huxley, he was, a, he was an agnostic, didn't believe in Jesus, and he says this. All right, lock in. Y'all, y'all are in school. Y'all are good to go. All right, is the universe possessed of value and meaning? I took for granted there was no meaning because I had motives for not wanting the world to have a meaning. Pause for a second. What's he saying? He's like, is there meaning in the universe? I took for granted there was no meaning because I wanted there not to be a meaning. He goes on. The philosophy of meaninglessness was an instrument of liberation. The liberation we wanted was a liberation from a certain system of morality. We objected to the morality because it interfered with our sexual freedom. What's he saying? Is there meaning in the universe? I hope not because then I can't sleep with who I want to sleep with. Isn't that crazy? The reason these guys are rejecting the second coming is because they is of their own sinful desires. See, why would anybody reject God or a second coming? Well, if there's no God, you can do what you want to do. If there's no judgment, you can live how you want to live. That's their desire here. Now, here's their argument in the next verse. That's their desire. Here's their argument. Verse 4, they'll say, where's the promise of his coming? Ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. This is their argument. Hey, Jesus ain't coming back. You know what happened today? The sun rose over there, and it's going to set over here. You know what's going to happen tomorrow? Same dang thing. Sun's going to rise. Sun's going to set. It's not going to change. Jesus is not going to come back. Now, this is an ancient argument, but you're going to hear it 
y'all are going to go to college like in a year or three or five. Y'all are going to go to college right soon, and you're going to hear some crazy arguments. There's an argument that's going around this guy named Albert Schweitzer. Uh, in 1905, he wrote this argument. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of tell you, I'll summarize how it goes. But here's how most people deny Jesus is going to come back. They'll say, yeah, there was a guy named Jesus, but he wasn't God, is what they'll say. We know that he was. He is. They'll say Jesus wasn't God, but he was preaching this, the kingdom of God is coming. The kingdom of God is coming. And he tried to make that happen. Like he got these disciples around him. He sent these 70 disciples out, and it just wasn't happening. And so Jesus thought, uh, man, how do I get the kingdom of God to come? Maybe I need to suffer. And so Jesus, he went to the cross to suffer, trying to bring about the kingdom of God. And then when he's on the cross, he realized, shoot, it's not happening. And he yelled out to God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he died. And they'll say, well, there's a problem because Jesus had taught, I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back. And he said things like, this generation won't pass away until I come back. Some who stand here won't taste death until you see me come back. And the problem is, they'll say, it didn't happen in their generation, in their lifetime, and it didn't happen in the next one, and the next one, and the next one. And what you're going to hear when you go to school in a couple years is, yeah, Christians used to believe that, but they changed Jesus' coming back to be like metaphorical. Or they stretch, like Jesus is coming back soon. They, they're like, oh, soon can be like a thousand years or like 2,000 years. They stretch it way out, and it's just not going to happen. That's the argument they use in Peter's day. That's the argument they're still using today. Y'all are going to hear this. Where's the promise of his coming? Ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing, just as it were since the beginning of creation. All right, Peter's going to continue. First fact that we know Jesus is coming back, people are saying Jesus ain't going to come back. There's three more, all right? It says this, verse 5, Peter's going to argue against this and say, they deliberately overlooked this fact. Here's how we know Jesus is going to come back. That the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. First time I read that, I was expecting this huge answer like, oh, Peter's fixing to tell him. He's fixing to tell him why Jesus is coming back. Here it comes. And, and Peter's like, hey, you know how Jesus come, How we know Jesus is going to come back? Because he made everything. And I went, what? What are we even talking about? How do we? Well, if you think about it, though. How has God made everything? How does that translate to Jesus' coming back? Yeah, the sun has always come up and gone down, but why? Why has it come up and gone down? Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There's no speech, there are no words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber and like a strong man runs its course with joy. It's risings from the end of heavens and a circuit to the end of them. There's nothing hidden from his heat. What is that verse saying? Day after day, the order of the universe preaches God is in control. God is in control right now. Who is keeping you breathing? It is not you. Here's a terrifying thought. You don't even keep yourself alive when you sleep. You're totally out of control when you sleep. God keeps your heart beating. God keeps you breathing. He holds everything, every second in his hand. Listen to this. This one's crazy. Jeremiah 31. Thus says the Lord who gives the sun for light by day and the fixed order of the moon and stars by light for night. 
for light by night, who stirs up the sea so that his waves were. The Lord of hosts is his name. Here, listen to this. Here's what God says. If this fixed order, the sun rising and setting, if this fixed order departs from before me, declares the Lord, then shall the offspring of Israel cease from being a nation before me forever. What does that mean? God's saying, hey, the, the fact that the sun rises and sets shows that I keep my promises. I, every day I keep my promises. The sun rising and the sunset is like when we look at a rainbow and we remember God's promises. Same thing. It's a sign that God keeps his promises. Jeremiah 33. Uh, Thus says the Lord, if you can break my covenant with the day and my covenant with the night so that day and night won't come at their appointed time, then my covenant with David, my servant, will be broken. The fact that the sun rises and sunsets, like they argue, is evidence that God keeps his promises. That's the first one that, that Peter gives us. That's the first thing. See, they're arguing nature is king. They're arguing our experience as king. <laughs> but, but we see nature and the sun, man, it's evidence of God's intervention. It's evidence of God's sovereignty. God is totally in control. And what Peter's saying is, all right, y'all, y'all know, what's easier, to build something, to maintain it, or to destroy it? Think about a Jenga tower, right? What's easier, to build that thing up, to keep it standing, or to knock it down? What's the easiest? To destroy it. So if God has the power to create this thing and maintain it, don't you think he's got the power to knock it down? That's what Peter's saying. God is totally in control. Remember, stir this up. All right, here's his next fact, fact number three. And that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. What is he saying? Like, the first fact seemed obscure, really. He's like, hey, you know, you know how we know Jesus come back? Because God created everything. We're like, what? Oh, he holds everything in order. And then he says, and don't forget the fact that God destroyed everything once before. Do you remember the timeline these guys brought up when they said everything continues? Look at what they said. It says, they said, where is the promise of his coming? Ever since the fathers fell asleep, everything continues. Who are the fathers? Abraham. Isaac and Jacob, the fathers, the patriarchs. Ever since that day, they say, isn't that a weird timeline that they don't look back to creation? Why not? They want to skip the flood. <laughs> they're saying, hey, everything's continued since Jacob. Yeah, but the flood, though. Like, they're like, hey, man, it's not like God's going to destroy the earth. And Peter's like, except for that one time that he did, though. You know, like, he's, man, he's got the power to destroy. He's punished the world already one time. He's saying basically that God was holding back his judgment, holding back his judgment. And then with the flood, he opened up and let those floodgates go and destroyed the world. This this crazy judgment. We got to remember, God holds everything together. He's destroyed the world once once before. Verse 7, he says, but by that same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. That's a scary verse, y'all. He's going to destroy the world once again. All right, I told you I got three kids, one in high school, two in middle school. I've got one kid. I'm not going to tell you which one, but I got one kid that is a scaredy cat. Any of y'all like that? Like you get, you get real jumpy real easy. I know why she does that because my wife is real jumpy. Like anytime, like if I walk into our bedroom, my wife's there, she's like, <laughs> you know, like she's always a little bit jumpy. Well, one of my kids is like that. I got to be careful how quick I come up the stairs or else I'll be like, ah, like all day in my house I hear, ah, because she just is like, if the dog comes around the corner, ah, you know, like if the air conditioner turns, she's just a jumpy kid, right? And so the, <laughs> I said she, all right, so you know it's a girl. Uh, 
so the other day, we had to do something, whatever, whatever, and we're like, hey, we got to leave you at home by, your, by yourself. It'll be like 20 minutes, all right? 20 minutes. Are you good? You going to be all right? And she's like, yeah, psh, I got this. And we're like, I don't know. <laughs> and so me and my wife, Amy, we kind of run out, you know, and we kinda, we're going to come back. And we're like, all right, here's a phone. Call us if you need. It's 20 minutes. Call if you, if you need anything, whatever. And we're like, we'll see. All right, because, you know, all the time. And so we get down the road about seven minutes and and I'm like I guarantee you that's her and I look at the phone sure enough it's her and I answer the phone I'm like hello and she goes and I was like how you doing and she goes somebody's playing the piano and I was like what she's there by herself she's like somebody's playing the piano and I said all right where are you at and she said I'm in the kitchen and I was like, all right, you're in the kitchen, and somebody's playing the piano. And she's like, I got the Nerf gun. And I was like, okay, well, then you're set. <laughs> you're, you're good. You're, if you got the Nerf gun, you're good to go. But I didn't realize that she and her brother had done this game where they set up balloons in the living room. And so they put nails in the bullets, in the Nerf gun bullets. So she had put all those nail bullets in the magazine and Nerf gun. So she had a nail gun in there and she had backed herself in the corner with all the knives. You know, you get that little block of like kitchen knives. And so I thought Psh, Nerf gun, but she is ready to roll. Like she's ready for war. And she's like, somebody playing the piano. I got the Nerf gun with the nails. I'm <laughs> and I said, go see who it is. And she's like, no. And I said, well, what is, are they, are they playing like a song? You know, because nobody's at her house, you know. I'm like, they're playing a song? And she said, no, they played one note. It was like, ding. And I said, where was the phone at the time? <laughs> you know, because ding is a pretty common noise if you got a phone in your house. And she goes, it was, it was the phone the whole time. Like, that's, that's all that was dinging. Like, but that girl, she walks around scared. So all the time, you know. Here's my question. We read verses like this, and we're like, I think too often passages about Jesus coming back are preached like a hammer. Hey, Jesus is coming back. Bam, act right. Is that why Peter's saying this? Like, he's not fear-mongering. He's not pulling this out like a club and saying, hey, y'all need to be scared. Now, pause for a second. This should be a warning to non-believers. There's judgment for non-believers, and that, that is a scary thing. It really is. It's a scary thing. But if you think about it right now, in a sense, whether you're a believer or a non-believer, you have no need to fear. And here's why. Because here's what I want you to think about. Why has God waited for so long? Peter's going to hit this head on. It's like Peter's like, Okay, yeah, I understand. He's, he's, it's been a long time. He's going to hit this head on. Yeah, it seems like forever. Why? Why hasn't God put an end to all the violence? Why hasn't he come back and set all things right? He's going to answer that. And here's the beautiful part. Verse 8. Don't overlook this fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. Verse 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some people count sl slowness. He's saying, hey, the Lord's timetable is not like ours. He's not slow. He's not slack. He's not lazy. And listen, here's why he's taking so long. But he's patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to reach repentance. That is beautiful. And that's why today, 
If you're a believer or if you're a non-believer, there's hope. Because why has Jesus waited so long to come back? For you. For me. And thank God he's waited 2,000 years. Because now we can be his children. If you're a non-believer, yes, there should be some fear of the judgment, but there should be hope like, hey, he's patient towards you. He's wanting you to come to him today. Man, it's all of our hope. Because thank God he didn't punish our violence, our darkness already. Yeah, the Lord is coming back. And for those of you that don't know Christ, it should be motivation. Like, oh man, he, he wants me to reach repentance. For those of you that know him, and it should be motivation. Verse 10, it says, The day of the Lord will come like a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works done on it will be exposed. That's a weird verse. You think about this. Look out here at these mountains today. They're going to melt. Like the heavens, the stars are going to burn up. They're going to be dissolved. The day of the Lord is going to come. And on that day, man, if you're a believer, what's waiting on you? First, Second Timothy 4, he says this, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. What's waiting for you if you're a believer on that day is not judgment, it's hope. First John 4 says, by this is love perfected with us so that we can have confidence on the day of judgment. And that's a good thing because Romans 8 says, therefore there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Man, wouldn't it feel good to be in that place where all of your sins, every screw up you've ever had, everything you've done is forgiven? Man, God paints such a beautiful picture of forgiveness. He says, man, I take your sins and I bury them in the bottom of the ocean. They're no more. He says, I take your sins and I, I separate them as far as the east is from the west. How far is that? It just keeps going. I take your sins and they dissolve like a mist. I the God who never forgets says, I will remember your sin no more. Your sins, if you're in Christ, are gone 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 forever gone man that is such a beautiful thing because now there is no condemnation for those who are in christ that's a beautiful thing so we don't walk around scared when it comes to the second coming but it should motivate us it should give us perspective and here's the last verse verse 11 remember he just said the day the lord's going to come like a thief all the earth all the stars everything's going to be burned up or dissolved and he says since these things are thus to be dissolved what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godly, godliness? You think about that? All right, these false teachers, they're denying the second coming because they want to live how they want to live right now. They're accumulating wealth and sexual partners and being like, oh, I'm going to live it up, I'm going to live it up, I'm going to live it up. I heard a pastor give this illustration like this. He said, he said imagine this room's like full of, <laughs> I think he said a bird show. Like, imagine there's a bird show in this room, and imagine you got a little kid that's collecting feathers, just like, oh, I got all these feathers, all these feathers. Well, okay, so this building, if you got the right combination of the doors open, you know, we got these giant doors over here. If you got the right combination, it's kind of like when those blowers outside Walmart or whatever, it's like, you know, that blows, uh, you know, like, but if you got the right combination, it sucks air out of this building really hard. So imagine you got this kid, and he's like, oh, I got all the feathers, I got all the feathers, and he got all this big, like, armload of feathers he's like yeah I'm gonna take him home well as soon as he hits that door it's gonna be like <laughs> and all of them are gone he would have spent all that time just for nothing he's that's that's what Peter's saying here he's like since all these things in this earth are, are going to be dissolved what sort of people should you 
ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness. Man, Peter is not being like coming at you with fear and a club saying, you better be scared. He's saying, you should be motivated. All this stuff is gone. It's going to dissolve when Jesus comes back. And what's left is hope and Christ. Only what's done for Christ is going to last. There's going to be no pain, no darkness. Man, that's all of our hope, that Jesus will return. He is coming back. And that's our hope. And that's your hope. If you're a believer, what sort of lives should you live? If you're a non-believer, man, today there's repentance and there's hope for you. Thanks for listening. We hope this has encouraged you in your walk with Christ. Be sure to give us a rating and review. And for more Snowbird content, check out our other podcast, No Sanity Required.